every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students, to belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, where our heart is to mobilize Christians towards the Great Commission. For more information, go to my website at mikefalkenstein.com. That's Mike Falkenstein, F-A-L-K-E-N-S-T-I-N-E.com. And to find out more about our ministry projects worldwide, go to our ministry website, 18catalyst.org. Thanks for joining us. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the latest episode of the Made for Missions podcast. And I am Mike Falkenstein here again with my friend Ken Watmore. And Ken, we're trying to, after a little uh, sabbatical on the podcast, we're getting back at it full force. And I think, I don't know if you're like me, but I think the break was nice. Uh, But now I'm kind of ready to get going. What about you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited. Yeah, it's fun to get back at it. And I think as I'm looking online, Ken, that this break like we had is not an uncommon thing. In fact, I was meeting with a friend, sharing about our ministry and asking him to pray about participating. And when I mentioned that we had already had 62 episodes, you know, he was surprised that we'd made it this far. And that was kind of his (laughs) comment that, you know, a break is not a bad thing, is it? Sure. I I think, yeah, I think it's good and it allows you to step back and refocus and kind of get excited about going, you know, what we're talking about, this great commission fulfillment is Mm. there's some repetition involved in what we talk about and there should be, it's important, but at a time you kind of have to step away to get reignited and start that process of repeating why we're talking about this and, you know, why is it so important? And I think one of the things we see when we read the Bible is that, you know, we read often the same things over again, and there's a purpose for that. When you start to adopt, adapt, I should say, those things as character traits and even physical practice. So I think it's important to get a step back and then come back in with a, maybe a full force behind it. Yeah, that's right. And so you're kind of leading us, Ken, to this, uh, the topic of this episode. And Ken, as you and I were just talking, I'm just trying all the time to just figure out new ways to fulfill at least part of the mission statement with 1-8 Catalyst, which is to mobilize and equip Christians towards Great Commission fulfillment. And so I'm thinking about the donors and partners that we have, and I feel a responsibility even with them to make sure that just contributing financially, which we love, we need the funds to be able to do what God's called us to do, but it's not enough to just be a financial contributor, that there is a place for each Christian to be a active part of the Great Commission fulfillment. And so I've developed a little bookmark, which is a tool that I can kind of just, as I'm meeting with people, go through and they can just have it in their Bibles and to be able to uh, do the Bible study. And so I thought, Ken, what would be good is to catalyst steps toward Great Commission fulfillment. And I think, Ken, you're like me. We're, we're running into people all the time that aren't even really sure exactly. I mean, they've heard about the Great Commission, but they don't know 
how it relates to them. Has that been your experience too, in some ways? Yeah, I think more so that people are more so it's a, it's a cultural thing where we live, where it's just, I don't even know that it's necessarily that they don't recognize that it's applicable. It's more that we just kind of go through the motions every day. I mean, it's just busy world and our culture in particular in the, in the United States and then place like where we live here in Colorado is we're just running. I mean, we're just running all the time. And That's I think right. we forget that there's, I I shouldn't say we, I, I'm going to say me, I am running. I am incredibly <laughs> uh, sidetracked with busyness continually through my days. And I put the great commission to the side. And what does that mean? It means I'm putting Christ off to the side. I'm putting my faith off to the side. I'm putting my walk with the Lord off to the side for a repetitive motion of busyness in my workday. I even recognize where I go, gosh, I'm not even telling my kids how important it is that they fulfill the Great Commission. You know, I mean, so I, it's easy in our culture to forget even more the reason to, like we talked about just a, just a moment ago, right? To repeat these steps in this yes. reminding ourselves what the great commission is and mm-hmm. and what it means to fulfill it that's right so um we're having the bookmark printed now so for those that are listening um check back with us in a couple of weeks and uh, we'd love to get you your own copy for now can there's a have in terms of our steps that we feel is important towards great commission fulfillment and uh the first one of course is just to I mean, you've said it, we've, you know, we're going to, we're going to repeat some stuff, but <laughs> I'm trying to remember what I've heard, but you have to hear the same thing. I think we have to hear the same thing six or seven times before sure. we actually catch it. So in terms of what is the great commission, we put it in pretty plain terms. There's just four main points we have that it's, you know, we remind people that it's a command for us all. Again, for those that are just now tuning in, go, please go back to former episodes of the, the podcast. And we have a lot about interviews from people. I think about the interview with Todd Wagner, a senior pastor in Dallas, where he says, you know, the Great Commission is a normative command for all Christians, for all people who are serious in their faith, that it's uh, God's plan for building his church. And so, you know, he really wants to use each one of us. And the way he does that is through the preaching of the gospel and the making of disciples. And so we see that those are kind of the two main things. And then finally, by the means of baptizing and teaching. And so we're trying to just keep it as simple as we can. Ken, what do you think? Does that kind of drill into the kind of a, maybe a good definition of the Great Commission? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's what Christ said to his disciples. Mm-hmm. And so then we go directly to can kind of where we get that definition, which is obviously uh, directly from scripture. And, you know, can there's some people who spend time talking about this that actually really just talk about two verses, two passages of scripture that are great commission uh, passages. I really have five of them. And so as I did the study myself, in each of the four gospels there, we see evidences of the great commission. And then of course we have the acts one, eight passage, which is the passage that we used for the ministry name one, eight catalyst. And these are all very familiar. So can I'll just kind of very quickly go through them for folks who want to, who want to do the Bible study on their own and they can take some notes and 
go through it. But obviously the, the first passage, which is probably the most popular is the Matthew 28, 18 through 20 passage where Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them everything I've commanded to you. And I will be with you to the end of the age. And Ken, that's kind of where it all starts, isn't it? That's one of the, where we get, yeah, just that's our responsibility to make disciples. And I mean, that's kind of where it all starts, isn't it? Right. Absolutely. I think, well, I don't think you can put it any other way. That is where it all starts. So (laughs) yeah, that's right. That's right. And then we move on to, you know, of course, the book of Mark. And, you know, actually the book of Mark passage is one that I'm quite fond of because in Mark 16, 15, we see Jesus saying, go into all creation and proclaim the gospel. And I like that because before you can make disciples, you need to have some, well, first some converts who then can be discipled, right? And so really the the preaching of the gospel goes hand in hand then with the making of disciples, especially as it relates to what we're doing overseas. You know, you need to have some people who have, and I guess it's the same thing here locally as well, but just the point being that you need converts before you can have disciples, right? Yeah, absolutely. Someone needs to, to know, someone needs to be able to preach. You and I talk about these unreached people groups all the time, and we're talking about a project now that's designed mm-hmm. to, to send people to unreached people groups. And the bottom line is that the unreached people groups are unreached because there's nobody there that knows the gospel and can share it. So yeah, we have to be able to go and preach the word, and there have to be converts that then have a heart to preach the word to those around them. So I think it's one of my favorite passages too. And as you know, I had, I had friends that I worked with and in a ministry called 1615 named after that passage. And it was, oh, right. you know, it's always uh, such a cool, well, I should say it's such a motivator to me. And I think when we talk about these people groups around the world that have yet to hear, it's hard for us to imagine that. Right. But it's true. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of people groups that have yet to hear. And there's nobody there that can tell them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's right. I remember that ministry you were involved in, but I never put together that it came from (laughs) from that uh, passage. But I mean, that would certainly be a good one to kind of have as a foundational verse for a ministry, too. So then we go on to Luke 24, 45 through 48. And right in the meat of that passage, we have Jesus saying in verse 47, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. And so in the book of Luke, we have, again, kind of a preaching the gospel emphasis that the proclaiming of his name should be done in all nations. And then the John passage that we have is one that you don't hear a lot of people talking about, but in John chapter 20, verse 21, he says, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. And of course, Ken, the thing I like about that passage in particular is just that there's kind of this connection between God sending Jesus and kind of the power that's involved there. And then you know, Jesus is sending us in his name. And gosh, if there's something that ought to get you going as it relates to preaching the gospel, that should be one of them, shouldn't it? That's absolutely right. 
<laughs> as the father has sent me, then I am now sending you and think Jesus. I mean, we know who Jesus is and all his power and he's now sending us. So as we go forth, I don't know that we should have any reservations knowing that Jesus has our back. Should we? That's right. No question about it. Not only does he have his ba- <laughs> our back, but he has gone before us. Yeah, that's exactly right. And then, Ken, before we take our break, we have the Acts 1-8 passage, very, and this, which is this kind of the second of the very famous passages where Jesus says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And the thing that I always mention, people have probably heard me say it, but the thing I always mention about that passage is that in between the places where he tells us to go, which, you know, people have probably heard that, you know, you can kind of use that in concentric circles of your local area, your state, your country, and around the world, that there's a bunch of ands instead of ors, meaning that he says, go, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's really a, hey, this call to kind of go and be his witnesses in really all of these places, right? So, Ken, let's take a quick break. And when we are back, we will talk about points three and four, which is, does the Great Commission apply to me? And then finally, as we kind of do this Bible study, how can I start finding Great Commission fulfillment in my life? So thanks for joining us, everyone. And we'll be back in just a minute. Hi, I'm Tom Muller. As a pastor or ministry leader, you know the value of having congregation members excited about God's work, both at home and abroad. Think about having a church full of people who know their place in God's great mission, engaged to reach the world for Jesus. That's a church on fire. Or maybe you're a conference director looking for a dynamic speaker to come in and point people toward fulfilling the Great Commission in their lives. Mike Falkenstein would love to come and serve your church or conference by making a great speech to attendees on a Sunday morning or for a weekend event, making your event a huge success. Mike has a deep desire to make your job easier. Visit Mike's website at MikeFalkenstein.com and go to the speaking page to find out more about how you can have him come and serve you in this way. Well, Ken, it's always nice to hear from our friend Tom Muller, especially after a break. To have him back with us is always fantastic after our little sabbatical. And so in this episode, Ken, we've been talking about these steps towards Great Commission fulfillment. And we talked about giving, I think it's always important at first to give a definition of kind of what it is. And then secondly, what are the five Bible passages? Kind of where does the Great Commission come from? And now, Ken, we talk about does the Great Commission apply to me? And we've spent a number of podcast episodes having other people, seminary professors, other pastors, other ministry leaders kind of weigh into that. And it certainly seems to us that it does. Although what I've done in this new study is say, well, the Bible speaks to this very question and helping people follow what I'm calling a biblical trail for them to answer the question themselves. The biblical trail has four points and we'll go through them quickly. And it's sort of a, here's the command, Matthew 28. So we go back to that same passage, go and make disciples. And then we go to John 14, 15, where Jesus says, 
if you love me, you will obey my commands. Again, we remember what the command is, right? To go and make disciples of all nations. That's right. This Luke 6 passage, Luke 6, 46 through 49, is I really encourage everyone to take a quiet time period or two to go through these passages because I think actually the Luke 6 passage is more convicting than John 14, 15 almost because he says, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet don't do what I tell you to do? And then he goes through a man who hears my word and doesn't do them is like a guy who builds a, a house and the flood comes and it's not on a solid foundation. And it's kind of like, Oh, ouch. <laughs> you know, the Lord's, you know, I mean, it's like, why do you call me? And I just think about all the times that I've heard what Jesus wanted me to do and I haven't done them and still said, Lord, Lord, you are my Lord. And yeah, I mean, between those two, it's kind of like, Oh, I need to really figure out how to, Obey Jesus' commands. Is that how it hits you too? Oh, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I've tried to use that example for my kids to say, and probably in the wrong example too, I I must admit when I've said Christ tells us as his followers, as the children of God, how can you say you love me if you don't do what I say, you know, in plain terms. And then I say, Mm -hmm. and just as your earthly father, when I say, how can you say you love me and you Mm -hmm. you can't do what I tell you to do? And I use Mm -hmm. that, like I said, in in the wrong way, not so harshly as that might've sounded, but just to make the point to my kids, like we bumble through life and we just ignore God constantly. And how can we say that we love him if we're just ignorant to the things that he's doing to influence and shape our lives all around us every day? Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and even um, more th- that we disobey his commands or, or ignore them completely. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So that's really intended to be in the, the biblical trail can kind of, uh, as people are reading it, they go, okay, here's the command. Here's what Jesus says about obeying him. And then in that same, we looked at John fourteen fifteen. in John fourteen twenty one, we go just a few verses down. Jesus says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him or show myself to him. And so there's kind of what I like about that. There's kind of different levels, right? So it's, can we first establish how we tell if we really love Jesus, whoever has my commands and keeps them. And so if we've, if we've kind of passed that checklist or that, that check, then we go, and he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And I, and I wonder, I haven't particularly completely put this together in my mind, but I do kind of wonder, the times that we pray to God and we don't hear anything, I wonder if, yeah. if the first order of business is actually to go, how am I doing in my obedience of what Jesus is calling me to do? Because maybe he's not manifesting himself to us, right? Because we got another issue to talk about or to deal yeah. with. Do you think that's going too far or are you kind of following oh, no, I'm, I think that's, where I'm going? I think that's right on. I think that's right on, not just from my, I mean, and I'm not saying I'm right, but I, I mean, my thought process is not just me saying, yeah, that sounds right. I'm saying, I think I'm, I think I've experienced this and, they, and continue to experience it. When I, anytime I feel like there's distance between me and the father, right? I, this passage just paints that perfect picture, right? That I, Christ will show himself to me, but 
there's some things I need to do to be in line with him. And I think, I mean, that's certainly there's a sin problem we all have, right? And uh, and I think that part of that is just, I guess I say it that way because we all can recognize when we're, when we have sinful nature, right? We have a, a, a we think a bad thing about somebody or we, we act a certain way that we shouldn't have or all these little easy things to point out, but people kind of negate the fact that just disobeying God is in itself and that we create distance whenever we're not seeking him and spending time with him and growing closer to him. I mean, we're, we're creating space between us. And I think that passage points out that, you know, we need to, we need to try and shorten that gap. I would also feel bad because I keep bringing up, you know, things that I talk to my kids about, No, that's, but, but I think it's, it's almost the perfect analogy sometimes, right? With your kids, because the simplicity of the, of the message to a child, yes. it's something that we right. miss a lot of times. But it's like we're walking away, we're walking away, we're walking away, and then every single time we turn around, it's almost like you bump into Christ's chest, right? You, um, it's like he's <laughs> right there. And every single time you turn around, you just can't help but run into him. Like, oh, you're you're there still. Like, you mean you didn't leave me, you know? And he, of course, he didn't leave you. He promised you that he wouldn't leave you. But the, we're the ones trying to create distance, and we don't even think about it. And if we just turn around and close that gap, he says that he, you know, he will show himself to us. So I think that part of that obedience in doing what God has commanded us to do, which goes right back to, obviously, we've, there's a lot of different things we're told to do. But the, the one thing that we all can recognize is that we're, we're all told to fulfill this great commission. And if we're following through with that, we know that that is keeping that gap between us and Christ closed. And I, I think yeah. that he reveals himself in so many ways when we're doing those things. How many times, right, you've been in the mission field enough times, and how many times have the different people that we know and have talked to about them being in the mission field, you know, when they're there watching God work or feeling God work through them, that's when they see him. I mean, they see him so clearly in different ways. And it's because we're fulfilling the Great Commission. We're fulfilling the obligation that God put before us. We're doing the work that he's laid out for us. And that's when he's revealed so clearly more than any other time. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, I think you're right on track. And so we, yeah, we'll want to, I think you've really developed those thought processes well. And on one hand, it's a, it's a very challenging thing to bring to people. On the other hand, it's not too bad in that it's scripture, right? It's not things that we're developing on our own, right? I mean, it's right. sort of just kind of laid out for us pretty clearly. So the point being, Ken, as it relates to does the Great Commission apply to me? Gosh, I really hope and pray that as people go through those four passages, that they'll kind of on their own, that the Holy Spirit would come in and just allow them to see, yeah, it does. Right. <laughs> it does apply. And, and so then we get to the fourth part of this trail, which is how can I start finding Great Commission fulfillment in my life? And I would point people back to kind of as a starting point, the several episodes that we did about kind of reaching your neighbors, because that's obviously a very easy first step, right? And I even had right. my friend uh, Dudley Callison come in and do an episode on his experience. And he has this whole system of just beginning to kind of get to know neighbors and get to just know their name and get to know their story. And on a uh, practical level, though, it's really the, well, there's really four steps. The first being go through the Bible study that we've just laid out and recognize your responsibility, which again, we're hoping through the power of the Holy Spirit, that would happen in a lot of people's lives. Number two, pray and ask God how he wants to use you. And I think, can we'll just stop at that point for a minute, because I'd love to get your take. But I think for me, 
sometimes that's kind of a dangerous thing to do. And so in some ways it's not a, uh, because <laughs> it's just easier to say, to not do that and just stay safe at home, right? If we earnestly uh, pray and ask God how he wants to use us, uh, you never know what he's going to say, right? That's right. Number, yeah, number two, and then as you'll, you'll go over number three in a second, but number two and number three of these four steps are, I think, the biggest triggers of fear in sometimes in my life, for sure, because, yeah, you know, I fear, and I'm just being honest, right, that yeah. I fear what God's going to say sometimes, like, you, you know, you have to do this. And, and I go, <laughs> I'm predetermining, of course, before I pray it, what I think God's going to say, which could be completely wrong. But <laughs> I think that's one of the greatest fears that I have is if I'm honestly asking God, how do you want to use me? And then the next part that you'll talk about is the obedience of that. You yeah. know, am I prepared to do it? Am I prepared to step out and know that what God's asking me to do, he's commanding me to do, but he's also blessing it as he gives it to me. Yeah, you know, he's that's already, right. He, yeah. So I, I think it's a great fear. And I think that at the same time, if we speak it to myself, if I recognize that uh-huh. fear and accept that God's giving it to me, that I have nothing to fear because he's giving it to me, I probably would find the greatest joy and mm. the greatest fulfillment and at those times when he reveals himself the clearest to me as a result of that. Right. And so that does go back to the John fourteen twenty one passage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you'd mentioned, Ken, this point number three, as God speaks, obey what he's telling you. And again, you're right. Those two things, praying and asking God how he wants to use you and then obeying that. I remember a uh, quote we've mentioned before, the founder of the U.S. Center for World Missions uh, said something along the lines that his estimation was that about one in a hundred people who feel called into the mission field actually go. And his prayer was, yeah. boy, Lord, if, if it could go from one, one in a hundred to two in a hundred, wow, think about all the extra laborers we'd have. And gosh, you know, in my estimation, I kind of go, what if it was 10 in a hundred or 50? And I mean, again, we yeah. get back to finishing the task. And so we have the laborers. It's just a matter if they're willing to go. And Ken, I love what you said too about when we see God clearest, a lot of times it's when we're we're really doing what he wants us to be doing, right? And so there is a, mm-hmm. I guess the point being, there is a direct benefit to our relationship with God. And really, you could even say our overall lives when we are in submission to him and what he wants for our lives, right? Absolutely. So, well, Ken, as we end this episode, we get to the fourth point, which is through the process, continue to ask him to use you to preach the gospel and make disciples. And that's really to say, you might be praying and asking and it might take a while for God to speak. And even in that process, there are still people around you that you can be reaching. We've talked before about yeah. people in your neighborhood and people at your workplace. And in fact, it's a great starting point to be practicing and to be doing the preaching of the gospel and making disciples locally before you go overseas. So can in this episode, is there any final thoughts that you have? Uh, you know, I think my only final thought would just be in recognition of those steps, the, especially the two and three steps that we just talked about. I think going back to 
number one, you know, go through the Bible study, right? I think we can all go through that and recognize it. And it's an encouragement to everybody who's listening to and, and to us who are speaking. Like, let's always continually go through what is Christ commanding us to do and what's the encouragement in that and know how can we remind ourselves that he's like I said, he's blessing that opportunity for us. And he's going to give us, if we ask, go back to number four through the process, continue to ask him to use you to preach the gospel, make disciples. If we ask him to open up those opportunities for us, I think they're there all the time. And I think in the times when we go, you and I have talked about and have had other people say before, what am I supposed to go through the checkout line at the grocery store and just start sharing the gospel? And, and I would just say, well, if that's if God moves you to do it, then yeah. I mean, I think- Oh, I've heard cool stories about that of, too. Yeah, so. yeah, totally. So I, I think it's one of those things where if you're asking God to use you to preach the gospel and make disciples, and then you're being open to see when he presents those opportunities, you're going to have those great stories of being able to share. And I would just say that even from my experience, right, the times when it's uncomfortable, those are just times when he's shaping you to make it better the next time. So I think that when you walk away and go, gosh, I boy, I really blundered that, or they think I'm a goofball for the way I presented the gospel. Well, you know what? It's just all part of the process of shaping and making you better at it. I don't think that Billy Graham was probably excellent at sharing the gospel the first time he did it. Maybe he was. I don't know. But there was a point (laughs) I know when he decided, you know, that that was he, you know, he recognized that that was what God was calling him to do. So he just started doing it. And I think that that's that number four, right? Continue to ask him to use you and then make yourself available to those opportunities. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, there's a fun story in one of the biographies I've read about Billy Graham that when he started, he didn't actually feel like he was very good and so in preaching. And so he lived in North Carolina and when, would go out to the woods and just practice, pretending that the trees were people. Right, right. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, he just felt called and he really equipped himself. So... <laughs> Uh, well, folks, thanks for joining us. So obviously, you know, there's a lot more we could say. We'll probably touch on this more in further episodes. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for hanging in there while we took a little breather. And we're sure glad to be back and to have you back. And obviously, you can get in touch with me on Twitter at Missions Mike. Uh, Ken is at Ken Whatmore. And we'd sure love to hear from you. It's fun to hear from folks on Twitter. If you have any questions, send us a direct message via Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll look forward to having you on the next episode of the Made for Missions podcast.